0: All right, we are um, jumping into the final part of our Letters from a Lockdown series. And my message for you today is called Through the Lens of Eternity. And we're speaking on eternity, but I promise it won't take that long, okay? We'll, we'll be in with a grin and out with a shout, and we're gonna have a good time and uh, lean into what God wants to say um, in this. Now, in this series, we've journeyed through a whole bunch of the main themes that we get throughout the book of Philippians. And this letter that was written to the church in Philippi is written by the Apostle Paul from a Roman prison cell. Can you imagine being in a Roman prison cell at that time? And it's from this place of lockdown, uncertainty, and lack that he pens this letter. And we've all just been through our own period of lockdown. And our hope has been, as you've been watching online, and maybe you've been in the building for the last couple of weeks, that this series has actually been helpful to you. We never just want to preach messages that are uh, inspiring and encouraging, but we want them to be practical. Things you can apply to your life. So you can walk out of here, different change, but ready to make a difference as well. And so today what I want to do is bring to you what I believe to be the overarching and underpinning theme of the book of Philippians. It's what ties it all together. It's the reason that Paul, while in a Roman prison cell under lack, under persecution, could still have joy, could still have peace peace, could still be encouraged, could still have this unconventional joy that wasn't hindered or changed or swayed left and right by the circumstances that he faced. And it's this idea of eternity. It's this idea of heaven. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3 from verse 20, this is what he says. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. He says our citizenship is in heaven. That's a small but a really powerful statement that Paul makes. You know, your citizenship determines how you see and experience the world. I'm a citizen of New Zealand. Darcy's a citizen of America, and as a result of us having different citizenships, we see and view and experience the world very differently—like very differently. Like, for example, for me, stubbies or like short shorts are appropriate attire for the rugby field, the farm, the workshop, and in some towns, going out for a fine meal at a restaurant, right? <laughs> <laughs> but for Darcy, like anything above the knees is awkward and inappropriate. So, on guys, so. That's, that's not right. <laughs> so when she comes to watch me play rugby, she's just like, oh, I'm back. Like it's awkward for her to watch a whole bunch of like 30 guys chasing a ball wearing short shorts. She feels it's so awkward. Um, in New Zealand, one of the greatest days in your existence is the day that you graduate high school or university. Now, it's not that we all had bad experiences, but that we all just went to a different campus of the same prison, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like when you're there, you, you might wear the colors when you play sport and you might sort of reminisce about the good old days, but the allegiance, allegiance isn't very strong. Once you graduate from university or school, any form of like going back to the games or ripping the merch or being publicly passionate about where you went to school, which is just not really a thing, like no one really cares. But in America, it's everything. Like, it's absolutely everything. Like, where you went to university is more of a statement over, like, what you do for a job, who you married, and who your history is. Like, the allegiance runs deep, and it's part of your identity. Our citizenships are very different. And so we see these things, and we experience these elements of life very differently. And Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven, that heaven is our home. He says it's our place of identity, our place of belonging, perspective. It's our home base. It's our territory. It's the place and worldview that we carry that is not temporal, but eternal. And that this should affect the way that we see things. You know, the way that we see things matters. A couple of years ago, I don't remember how many, but uh, it was one of our anniversaries. And I thought I would surprise Darcy by booking a trip to Queenstown. Because, you know, romantic's my middle name. I'm the guy. And so... (laughs) I booked this trip and I'm real pumped because it's an anniversary, Like you gotta, you gotta go the extra, you gotta add the GST on, right? And so I'm looking and I'm trying to find like a hotel room with a view. You gotta pay a little extra, but that's it's my bride, right? You do what you gotta do. And so I'm looking around and I find the perfect room, I can pay extra for the view, let's go, I got this. And so I book it in and I'm real excited and we arrive in Queenstown and she's thinking, how could he get so good? And we walk into the room and I'm pumped to go and see the view, Like I paid extra for the view, and I walk in and I go out onto this tiny little balcony type thing, and we've got a view, all right, of the trees. There's like this big chunk of trees right between us and the lake. I'm like, are you kidding me? Internally, I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. The the, the hotel room over there with their little balcony, they can probably see around the trees. That one over that side, they can see around the trees, but us, trees. And I'm like gutted on the inside, and not only that, but I'm standing on our little balcony, and I realize that there's one chair, just one chair sitting on the balcony. I'm like, and just before you laugh at me and say, Shane Frosty, how embarrassing, I look across at the other balconies, no chairs. Don't tell me God's not good to me. <laughs> and I'm out there and I've got my one chair and I'm like, ah, yeah, I just wanted the view, not the one chair. And I'm sitting, uh, sitting in the chair, just imagining people come out onto the balcony. Enjoy your view, hope your legs get tired. But when we walked in, Darcy was like, this is so nice. And externally, like verbally, I agreed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. But inside, I was gutted. Like inside, I was disappointed. But in that moment, if I had been honest, If i had just said, no, I'm actually really disappointed. This is the worst. This is not what we paid for. What I would have been seen to be is negative. I would have been seen to be maybe the one that made a mistake, maybe the one that was unappreciative. And you know, sometimes we do this in our walk with God. We come to church and the preacher says, God is good. And we verbally agree. We say, yeah, yeah, it's God. We did the all the time thing, which that should stop. Um, We have non-Christian friends ask us about our Christian walk and we only have good things to say, oh. Blessed, live a blessed life. And we feel, and that's good, we can declare that, but this is how we respond. We speak highly of God's goodness, his mercy and his grace. But if we're to be honest about our experience, perhaps we feel like it doesn't line up. You know, we're declaring how we feel it's meant to be, But maybe we're not declaring how it actually is for us. And we fear that if we're to be honest, then we'll be seen as the one that maybe made a mistake. Maybe the one that is unappreciative of what God has done. You know, Auckland Blues supporters, they do this all the time. You talk to any one of them. They say, this year's our year. This is our season. They say, it's an absolute thrill to be a supporter of the Blues. But I know that they know. That they can say that all they like, they can declare it all they like, but they know that their experience is going to be very different. You know, I read in my Bible, and so you'll probably read it in yours too. If, if yeah, you will. <laughs> it says, "It is for freedom that Christ has set us free." That's one of my favorite scriptures. It seems really like nonchalant, like obviously, like that seems silly. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, and yet it can be so sad how many Christians walk around experiencing everything but freedom. So many Christians walking around feeling guilty. It's like we walk around with this weight on our back. And we're like, yeah, I'm a a Christian. Life is so good. It's awesome. And, And what happens is we walk around Verbally saying how good God is and He is, and, and how much we're all for it, and we're waiting on Him, and it's amazing, but we feel this weight. And what happens is we add weight after weight to ourselves. Nobody else adds it. We add the weights to our back when we walk around and we say things like, uh, oh, "I'm just waiting on the Lord. He's going to bring me a partner that loves God, and I know like God will provide. God will provide." And in the waiting, you realize, man, God takes ages. <laughs> and and today would be good God, and we walk around. And we're like, "I'm just waiting on the Lord." He's good, he'll provide. And then, but while you're waiting, you start to go, but how, maybe I should take it into my own hands. Like how much do I wait on God and how much do I need to do and where do we meet in the middle? And while you're going through this, it's a tension and it feels weighty. Maybe you're leading a team and you're leading the team and you're speaking hope and you're speaking life and people come to you and you're like, I'm leading the team, but people don't even know that I can't even lead myself. And there's this tension and it feels weighty. We say, I'm trusting God for my future. And it's easy to say, it's easy to declare. It's what the word of God says. We hear it in church, but inside it's like, I'm internally screaming with anxiety with the unknown element of my future. People come to us and they ask for advice. And we say, "Yeah, now what you need to do is go to God. He's going to speak. He's going to clarify it for you. And inside we're like, "But, but I don't know if I've ever heard from God myself. And so I feel like a faker. I feel like a facade. I feel like there's this weight on me, but it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what happens, and and I've seen it far too often, and it's really sad, is the weight gets too much. The weight that we have imposed upon ourselves, these expectations, taking responsibility for something we were never meant to take responsibility for, the weight gets so much. And then one day we say, I can't take it. And we drop it. We turn our back and we walk away from the promises of God. And as I think about this, and I've observed it so many times in my life, I realize we have to find a way to not just talk about the goodness of God. We have to find a way to live in it. We have to find a way for for our experience of life to line up with those declarations of faith that we are making. You know, Matthew 15, verse 8, this is Jesus speaking, and I realize the context is a little different, um, but I want to highlight one thing that I think is important. He's, he's speaking to Pharisees. He's talking to people that are saying one thing and doing another. They're hip- hypocrites. And he says, they, they honor me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. And I'm not saying that someone that's walking around feeling the weight, feeling the struggle, I'm not saying they don't have a heart towards God. They absolutely do. But it's this idea that we could say one thing and live another. We could declare one thing and experience something different. You know, we so badly want to represent God that we speak life, but we end up walking around with death. And yet the promise that Jesus makes us, he says, all who are weary and burdened, every person, any weary, any burden, any level, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Isn't that what we need? Rest from the burdens that we carry. He says, for my burden is light and my yoke is light. Is easy. You know, I remember back when I was a youth pastor, um, there was this girl that came to our youth ministry. She went to one of the local high schools, McLean's College, and they ran like a lunchtime Christian group thing. And for a couple of weeks, they were doing this series where they would answer the really tough questions. And she got permission from the school when she invited me to come along into this lunchtime session and answer some of the questions. And she said, it's real good. People are really excited to have you. Lots of atheists are coming. I thought, Mm, amen and so I was all good for I had done stuff like that before I was ready and I I know I don't have every answer but maybe I could bring some clarity and I did a little bit of study and I gathered some information on the things I thought they might ask because it's usually the same questions and so I gathered a little bit of information and I was feeling confident like I was like I got this I'm all about this until it got to the day and then I started to stress out a bit what if they ask a question and I don't know the answer Like what if I'm embarrassing? What if I stumble on my words? What if the the girl that invited me wishes she invited someone else? Like what if I end up being in the way of somebody's salvation and I started to feel this weight and I realized I was taking responsibility for something I was never asked to take responsibility for. I was looking at it all wrong and I remember that day I pulled into the parking lot of McLean's College in East Auckland and I thought I'm going to take a moment to pray and then I'm going to go in there and we're going to do this. And and I stopped, and even before I began to pray, God said so clearly to me, He said, remember, they invited me, not you. And I was like, ooh, I was like, okay, I'll wait in the car. Good luck. <laughs> but the, man, the way God spoke to me so clearly in that moment was so valuable. It allowed me to take a step back and go, actually, it's not so dependent on me. I'm not the hero in the situation. I just need to be obedient and God is gonna breathe on the words that I say. He's gonna open hearts. He's already gone before me and God is gonna do what God does. And it was so valuable for me in that moment to be able to step back and see things the way that God sees them. Now hear me out. What I'm not suggesting we do is change the way that we speak to be a more accurate depiction of what's going on. Like we need to keep declaring things in faith, keep declaring hope, keep declaring life over what we're going through. But we need to somehow grab our experience and bring it in alignment with what we're already declaring. But how do we do that? Because that sounds real easy. All right, Frosty, just change what's going on. Easy as but you would be surprised at how different the big things in life could be by making small changes. Have you noticed that big doors swing on small hinges? But how do we do that? How do we take the promises of God and make them a reality in our life? How do we actually discover freedom and purpose and life and strength? And how do we live our lives as more than conquerors and overcomers? Because that's what my Bible tells me I should be living like. That's what it says about the Christian. But how do I make that a reality in my life? How do we live as citizens of heaven, carrying an unconventional joy that isn't dependent on the circumstances that we face? Because you know, there's something so powerful about declaring things that aren't as if they were right? Believing in faith for the things that aren't yet in. But let me let you in on a little secret. It is so much easier to allow our words to overflow from the reservoir of our heart, right? To actually come from what we've experienced. Like we can declare things that aren't, we can declare them to be true, even though we haven't experienced them. Like that's what faith is. But can I tell you, oh, how powerful your declaration is when it comes from the path that you've actually walked. Let's keep declaring in faith. Let's keep believing for the goodness of God. Let's keep speaking life. But somehow we need to change our experience to align that with what we're already declaring and believing. And there's a bunch of ways we can change our experience. I get that. But I want to hone in on just one today. And that's simply this, that our experience comes from our perspective. And if you're following along in your notes, it's in your app there, or maybe you picked up one of the few paper ones on your way in or whatever, you can write that down. It's the main thing from today. Experience comes from perspective. Um, Sometimes, I don't know, I've done this before. You've surely done it. You'll be out and about. You'll be walking or driving or maybe you live in a baller house with a view and you see the sunset. And you see the sunset and you think, oh, that's nice. I want to share that sunset with my friends because they don't live on earth and they can't see the same sunset. So... (laughs) I want to I take a photo of the sunset and share it with my friends because it looks so nice. And so what you do is you whip out your phone and you take a photo and then you look at your phone and you're like, oh. it just doesn't do it justice, especially if you have a Samsung, right? And you're looking and you're just real disappointed. <laughs> you got it. You're like, what I see with my eyeballs is beautiful, but what was captured is so different. And isn't this often the case with photography? You can have many cameras looking at the same thing, but what is captured can be very different. What is captured, what is taken in, what is received, what is perceived, depends on the lens that the photographer has on their camera. The scenario is exactly the same. What the cameras are looking at is the same. The circumstance is the same. Nothing has changed, but what is received and what is experienced can be very different. And I believe God is calling us to look at our lives through the lens of eternity. See, our lives are no longer on autofocus where we just hone in on whatever's right in front of us. But we have to be manually conditioned to keep the right perspective, to see the bigger picture, to see it how God wants us to see it. See, in Colossians 3 verse 2, Paul, the same Paul that was in the prison cell when he wrote the letter to the church in Philippi, he says in Colossians, busy guy, he says, think of the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Isn't that a profound perspective to hold while you sit in a really tough situation, going through lack, going through persecution? And he says, don't think about this. Just think of the things of heaven. Come on, when you don't land that job that you so desperately wanted, do we count it all as lost? Do we take a hit like we're never gonna recover or do we realize that this is actually just one small hiccup in the rest of our whole eternity? I love it how it was said one day. It says, we can't expect to be the victor if we carry a victim mentality. When we feel pressured to decide what we're going to do after university. You know how it is. You have to have your whole life figured out. And to be honest, you're like, I still have no idea. I still have no idea what the rest of my life is going to look like. Do we succumb to the standards of the world that say, oh, you better hurry up or you're going to fall behind? Or do we realize that we can look at our life through the lens of eternity? A perspective that says, slow down. It's all good. Just stay calm. Take a moment, you have more time than you think you do, you're younger than you think you are, take a moment to make the right decision rather than an immediate one. When we're stricken with a serious illness, and we feel like life is at an all-time low, do we sign out right there and then? Or do we remember that we serve a God of eternity? A God that says he can not only heal us right now, and I'm gonna pray for people at the end of the service, he can not only heal us right now, but in heaven he gives us new bodies free from every pain and every imperfection. See, challenge and struggle will come your way. We could all testify to that. This year has already given us more than our recommended daily intake. Like it is overloaded. But yet when we live in Christ and Christ lives in us, our perspective has to change. See, that struggle that you face may be a challenge for you, but it's not a challenge for the God that lives in you. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You may feel like I want to buy my own home one day and it feels out of reach. Although right now, interest rates rates very low. You've never had a better opportunity. But it might still feel out of reach but still feel like something you could not achieve. And yet for the God that lives in you, it says this about him in 1 Chronicles 29, 12. It says, wealth and honor come from you alone for you rule over, this is good, everything. That's good news. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. We must see God as bigger than our lives. Our time here is temporal, but God is eternal. You know, there's this guy in the Bible called Zacchaeus. And uh, Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, and so he's not very well-liked in his hometown. Sad. Bible says that not only is he a chief tax collector, but he's very short. Nothing wrong with that, but God felt necessary to point that out. This guy's very short. Like, he's so short that he has to parachute out of bed in the morning. Like, Zacchaeus is so short, before he was a tax collector, he used to pose on top of wedding cakes. Zacchaeus is so short that when it rains, he's always the last one to find out. So Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who's short, he comes out of his house and he hears that Jesus is coming by. (laughs) And he's like, I want to come out and see Jesus. So he comes out of his house and guess what? He's short. People are tall. He can't see Jesus. Do you realize that sometimes you can't see Jesus in your situation, but he's right there. And so for Zacchaeus, as he stands there and he can't see Jesus, his perspective is that Jesus isn't close. That Jesus is distant that Jesus is unreachable, Jesus is uninterested. That is how he perceives it. That is how he takes it in. That's what he's facing. That could be his experience. But he chooses to change his point of view, to look at the same situation differently. And so what does he do? He runs ahead. He pushes through the crowd. He climbs up to the top of the sycamore fig tree to get a bigger, better, different perspective. And all of a sudden he can see Jesus. All of a sudden he realizes Jesus was always right there. And Jesus sees the man and he calls him out and he honors his hunger. And he says, come down, we're going to spend some time together. And so they go off, they have a sleepover, eat Pringles, play Xbox. And what happens is there's a complete U-turn in Zacchaeus' life. He spends a moment with Jesus and there's a U-turn towards righteousness. When we position ourselves to see eye to eye with God, it allows us to see our lives through the lens of eternity. And our experience becomes very different. I'm sure you've all heard the saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. It's just another example of that. It's the same item, yet one person views it as trash and the other views it as treasure. You know, the pessimist says that the glass is half empty. The optimist says the glass is half full. The pessimist says the struggle is a problem. The optimist says the struggle is for growth. In fact, Thomas Edison, on his way to inventing the light bulb, over many occasions that would have looked like failure, he said this. He said, I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. You know, the non-believer says this setback, it's detrimental, but the Christian can stand firm and say this setback is insignificant in all of my eternity. The non-believer says that these mistakes have disqualified me from the opportunities in my future, but the Christian can say because I serve the God of eternity, my imperfections are wiped away and I can move forward towards what God is calling me to. The non-believer says this illness will end me. This illness is the end of me. But the Christian can stand firm and say, watch this space, here comes a miracle. A God-led experience comes from a God-led perspective. In fact, there's a guy named Wayne Dyer and he said it like this, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Isn't that powerful? If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. See, when we view our experience through the lens of eternity, through the eyes of an eternal God, It brings you assurance, peace, and security. It may be a challenge to you, but God's been God for ages, like over a billion years, over a trillion years. I don't even know what comes after that. A billion trillion, a quadrillion, a quadrazillion. God's been God for all of the zillions. He is so good at what he does. Is that thing too out of control or is it just too big for your control? Is it beyond us and so we give up on it or maybe we just need to place it into the hands of a God that can see it all, that knows it all and that is still close at hand. What would our lives look like if we dared to step back and look at things through the eyes of an eternal God? I love how Abraham Lincoln put it. This was his perspective on life. He said, we can complain that rose bushes have thorns or we can rejoice that thorn bushes have roses. That's good. If I was a note taker, that would go down. We can feel defeated at a serious challenge, or we can rejoice that there's just another opportunity for a miracle. We can say that we believe in miracles, but when's the last time that you stepped out in faith to actually believe for one and receive for one? I'm going to pray for you in just a moment that God would touch your life and bring the miracle that you need. Has there been an area of your life that you've been seeking breakthrough, healing, or a miracle in? And while you continue to declare that God is a God of breakthrough, if you were to reflect and be honest, you would say, my experience has been a little different. Band, you guys can join me. I need you to know that your experience is brought about by perspective. See, Zacchaeus, he wasn't looking at his situation from the right perspective. And so even though Jesus was right there, he couldn't see him. I need you to know that whatever you're going through, whatever circumstance you face, even if you can't see Jesus, I can assure you, he is right there. You know, maybe just maybe you're looking for him through the lens of a finite natural world and you need to change your perspective to look at what you're going through through the lens of eternity. You know, I want my life to count for something and I want your life to count for something. I want to live the life that God created for me to live and I want the same for you. And so what I do now matters because I want to have an impact here in this life. And I know that you're called to do that too, but I want our greatest impact to be on eternity, to be where people would end up spending the rest of their life. And so what I do with my time now matters. The way that I step out and live in faith right now matters. How I manage and spend and deal with my money right now matters. Our perspective of God and the life that he's given us can change absolutely everything. You know, how you see yourself and what you face will be dependent on how you see God and your ability to see what He sees. How you see your life and what you face will depend on how you see God and your ability to see what He sees. You know, after being beaten and whipped, Jesus is nailed to a cross it's the middle cross of three and hanging on the cross either side of Jesus is a criminal each there for their own reasons and as they all hang there these two criminals either side of Jesus they can see this beaten and bloody Jesus hanging on a cross they can see the men and the women on the ground worshiping the king of the Jews as the title above his head said. Each of them knew the stories. Each of them knew the rumors. Each of them knew of the miracles that that man had performed. They are both living through exactly the same circumstance, except their perspectives are very different. One of them sees God and his life through his own eyes things are about to end, it's not looking good, and the pain he experiences is just a sign of the end. He mocks Jesus. He says, if you truly are the Messiah, save yourself and while you're at it, save me too. Not having a whole lot of confidence that it could happen. But the other criminal, on the other side, same experience, very different perspective. This guy is viewing life through the lens of eternity. He knows that in the midst of one of the most troubling times in his whole life, God has something to offer. And he says this to the other one, the other criminal. He says, don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die? He said, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. This guy, this second guy, he carried a citizen of heaven perspective. And it not only changed his experience, but it changed his entire eternity. He was looking at his own life through the lens of eternity. And his experience came from his perspective.